Hello and welcome to It's Your Favourite Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I recruit you to help me with my fiancé's musical education. I am the fiancé. I'm Drew and today it really could be the best musical film ever as we are saying a big hello to Georgia from Best Film Ever and Talking the Mickey podcast. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we were excited to finally get you on the show because I know you are a huge musical fan. I am. It's going to yeah. be good to talk musicals. Definitely. I thought you were going to talk about Star Kid musical because every time Danny mentioned it, he was like, "She likes Star Kid." <laughs> I definitely do. I mean, I'm sat here now with my Wiggly doll because I felt like if I was talking musicals, I couldn't not have him with me because um, he might <laughs> take over the world. Um, but no, I mean, you've covered quite a few of them and I was kind of going, I do love them, but there is one that has my heart a little bit more. So I'd go with that. Yes, because my second guess was going to be Pippin because you're a yep. big fan of Pippin. Your dog's named Pippin. He is, yeah. And I wasn't as excited at the prospect of that one. <laughs> I was. I love I, I absolutely love Pippin. I got to see it at the Hope Mill Theatre um, in 2017 when it was on there when I was at uni and it was incredible um and it was the next year when I still had the program sat on my little like um bookcase that I was thinking about names for the dog and just rolled over in bed and there it was staring at me so that's what it was excellent Pippin is a good dog name though as well Mm. it is a brilliant dog name yeah I I quite I'm quite happy with it (laughs) I know a few different uh, dog Pippins and they are always either named after the musical or named after the Lord of the Rings character and it's great I get that or the dog in the Oh, what was it? Come, come fly with me, or whatever it oh was. God, the old, the old lady. Come outside. That's the one. The old lady. That that dog was called Pippin. Yeah. Yeah. I think Pippin's a great name. Pippin is my favourite Hobbit, actually. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> He's the one that causes all the trouble. It, it is because I think there's that brilliant line in Fellowship where Gandalf yells, "Fool of a Took," and I just always feel so bad for Pippin. So I think he's <laughs> the best Hobbit, but okay. We'll agree to disagree, but we're not going to disagree on the musical you are talking about because it's one that we both love. Yes. What oh, are wonderful. we talking about? We are talking about Little Shop of Horrors. Yes, indeed, we are. <laughs> As it is the month of September. It sure is. It is, yeah. <laughs> I love this show so much. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah, absolutely. So, why. Why, why is this your favourite musical? Um, so like you said, I mean, I went through a few on the shortlist. There was definitely Starkid stuff on my shortlist. The Adams Family was on my shortlist and Pippin and those sorts of things. But I just went, this one just, it just gets, it, I just, it, I just love it. Um, I was lucky enough to be cast in it back in 2016, I think. Cool. Yeah, 2016 um, as Audrey. And it was my first big proper role in a musical. And it was probably the best one I've done since. (laughs) Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was just so much fun. And getting like to know that character and that story so intimately was, it's just a dream come true. It was so lovely. That's so cool. Did you get to get eaten by a plant? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruises all the way down me because like the slats that you had to like, the plant was made of it was covered in slats on the bottom but it was obviously it was fabric covered but it was not particularly fabric covered so when I had to kind of slide myself down into it whilst being dead and had my <laughs> arms 
out the flap at the back behind the stage so two stage hands could pull me through um the like slats on the bottom of it would just bash against my hips and my mic pack <laughs> so i came out of it bruised every night but it was worth it <laughs> wow. see this is something that you and drew have in common is drew has also experienced the pain and joy of playing Audrey. Yes, I also got cast oh, cool. and I also got seriously bruised being eaten by the plant. I don't think there is a graceful way to get I don't I plant. don't think there is, no. no. Did you have a professional plant? Like some theatres bring in an Audrey too to work with, or did you have to like make your own? Uh, we brought in one that was hired, um, but I think it was kind of like the local hire role that like <laughs> lots of different companies around where we were had used. I'm just going to send you a picture on Twitter so you can see it because it's me dead in front Excellent. of it. Um, so you can have a quick look. But yeah, that's that's our plan. It was massive. Like when it was stood up right, it was oh, that's great. really tall. That yeah, that's really, so really funny. tall. But I'm... yeah, there's me and my pink slippers. <laughs> you are looking very, very dead. Yep. <laughs> poor poor um rob who played seymour had hurt his arm putting the stage up the week before so he couldn't carry me as what it is and put me in as he was supposed to like in rehearsal he'd like put, picked me up bridal style and kind of just pushed me in which was fine but he hurt his arm and then couldn't lift me properly so he kind of had to drag me really ungracefully and just shove me <laughs> in the mouth of the plan <laughs> i wish i had footage of it because it I was, I, it was so difficult not to laugh every night when we were doing it <laughs> Both sound like amazing, like choices, like the the imagery of like this bridal carrying and placing gently. Yeah, in the yeah, is great. But then also the imagery of like dragging the <laughs> corpse. That's so brilliant. Both sides, like I would want to do it like one on one off each night if I was directing it. Because, yeah, definitely. And just see which one gets the better response. <laughs> I had to be dragged was, as well. I was will say. Yeah, that bit yeah. isn't the fun bit. No, the guy that uh, <laughs> played my my version of Seymour was shorter than me, so when oh, he no. picked me up, it just looked wrong. Like it looked silly. So yeah, he had to. He did like a full. Okay, we're just gonna have you actively drag the body into the. <laughs> <bar>. <laughs> That's <was> brilliant. <laughs> so much worse. Oh man, that is crazy. So is that how you were first introduced to Little Shop of Horrors by being in it? Or did you see the film or the B movie or what? <laughs> no, I it was my first introduction to it. I was one of those I'm one of those awful theatre people that like doesn't usually watch anything beforehand. We'll just download the cast recording or the one that I like the sound of the most, learn it, and then if I like it we'll be like, Yeah, cool, I'm gonna do that. Um, so I, that was what I first did. I didn't actually watch the film until after I'd done the performance, which actually I'm really grateful of because yeah. I despise Ellen Green as Audrey. I absolutely <gasps> no. hate her. I cannot stand her. I think what? it's awful. Is it the voice? The voice and just the just the mannerisms. It just gets me. I I based acting. mine exactly i think that's why that's why it annoys me so much i based my voice at least because i've not actually seen it off of i think it's kerry butler because i have the um the new cast recording which is from 2003 which is the one that i really like um and but they don't have the names on there like they've not got the the singers names on it so i had to like 
Google someone that popped up on the Spotify who ended up playing one of the Ronettes and then find the cast list that she was in for it and then find the Audrey from that. So I think it's Kerry Butler, <laughs> but I'm not entirely sure. That is a pet peeve of mine, though. Like when you are listening to musical theatre songs and they say the character's name who sings it and not the yeah. actor's name, that does bother. Well, this one didn't even have that. It just says Alan Menken the whole time. And don't get me wrong, I adore Alan Menken. He's amazing. But I'm like, that doesn't help with who's actually singing it. I know he wrote it, but I need to know who's singing. Yeah, because I want to be able to find more like that for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I discover people, you know, people. It's the same, I guess, with films. If you find an actor you like or a director you like, you find out more of their work and you your horizons are expanded. But if you can't do that with musicals, how are you going to it find It becomes something? really quite difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm quite similar in the fact that my first experience was a stage version of Little Shop of Horror. I wasn't in it, but my mum directed Little Shop of Horrors with her school. And I went to okay. see it and I'd never seen it before. <laughs> and I think as a result, if you've seen the film, I don't think you'll enjoy the stage show as much, maybe. And in the same way, you acting as Audrey, if you've seen the yeah. film, it influences your choices. And I definitely there's something to be said for going in blind and enjoying this as an experience it's like reading the book before the film yeah yeah and no, you've just saying that I did see I've remembered I did see one production and it was a high school production of Little Shop of Horrors but it must have been five or six years before so I'd only seen it once and that was my only other exposure to it but I knew that I liked it yeah. So I think I knew I liked it enough. So when one of the um, companies around here, the amateur dramatic companies announced that they were doing it, I went, yeah, I want to do that. So I'd seen it enough to know that, but didn't didn't know anything else, really. And have you seen it since you were in it professionally done, you know, on any tours? Because I think there's been one tour in 2017. But have you ever no, had I didn't manage. I didn't manage to catch it. No, I really wanted to. And there was the one in the outdoor theatre one that happened as well a couple of years ago that had a drag queen as the plant, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, but I had, didn't manage to see that. One of my friends did, and she said it was incredible. So I would have liked to have seen it. But if it comes round again, or if it's in, it comes back to West End, I will definitely go and watch it. Yes, because it's been back on uh, Broadway, or off-Broadway. Yeah, than. yeah. Was that the one that had Christian I think it's on at the moment. Yes, it's Christian Ball and Jonathan Groff, oh, which is oh, Jonathan Groff. super interesting cast. I love Jonathan Groff yeah. so much, but oh my God, he's too hot to be Seymour. Like that's an issue. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about casting issues, I think, later on when it comes <laughs> to Little Shop. And I'm sure we can talk about how, you know, the current proposed casts may not be right, mm. but... Yeah, Jonathan Groff is great, but he doesn't sound like Seymour on that recording. No, I'm like Jonathan Groff. Yeah. <laughs> so, how long of a gap was there between performing it and seeing the film? Was it quite like we finished it now? I can see the film, or was it? Because you kind no, of. Have... I think it. Yeah, I think it was the next summer. So, so we delayed. performed. Oh, yeah, yeah. We performed in October, I think, of 2016. So I'm thinking it was probably the next summer 
or I've got my timeline wrong and it was the summer before we did it <laughs> and I was whilst I was auditioning I watched it but absolutely hated it so I didn't watch it again I can't remember but it's around it was in summer I remember that much and it was actually at um Debbie's house who's Debbie friend of our podcast uh, we were watching it there so I remember watching it but don't remember anything else the last time I saw it was when we went to it at the South Bank yes yeah. That's not the last time I saw it. I watch all the little shop of chorus all the time. <laughs> I just think it hits that B movie so perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, real, yeah. like cheap horror that isn't real horror. You know, like it's an inanimate object that should never be scary is now scary. And yep. does it in such a fun way. I don't know. Is it part, you know, seeing Audrey 2 come to life this huge great invention from the jim henson company mm-hmm. is it the song yeah or is it, i don't know there's so much about it it's all of it isn't it it is everything yeah it's just so it's such a good storm of everything going right and i mean it's got alan menken involved so it's gonna be good and howard ashman and they're just incredible because i mean we've got like little mermaid and aladdin to thank them for as well so you kind of go you went from doing this to <laughs> little shop of horrors yeah. which kind of like throws me off but he's yeah they're just so good well it is the thing isn't it with um somewhere that's green that you can see mm-hmm. that alan menkin has redone that song as much as he can yeah you've got yeah um, definitely part of your world that's somewhere that's that's watched. the really close one there yeah <laughs> um, you've got newsies have you seen newsies i've seen the film version once yeah so you've got the broadway version <laughs> the film version is not the good version <laughs> No, because I I remember just hating it because it's got Batman in it. So yeah, the uh, the <laughs> whole uh, stage version is on Disney Plus now. So if you ever get around, I to do need it. to watch it. Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard good things about that version. The opening song of that, you will listen to it and you will think, Ah, yes, that is uh, somewhere that's green. Fine. Yeah, it's the same. It's all the like, <laughs> new. I want to leave this place. Songs. Alan makes right. Okay. Yeah. Those though. So. He is, bless him. <laughs> so talk to us about your audition process. Like, what what did you have to do to audition for the role of Audrey? You know, how taxing was it? Uh, so the audition process wasn't particularly difficult because, like I said, it was only like a local town amateur dramatic company. But it was big enough that it was in their town hall and those sorts of things. So yeah. I remember going along to the reading. So we just read through it first um, and kind of just went, read all the different parts and then we came back another time for the audition day and we did some like big uh we did some scene stuff with other people and then we did um some singing and scene stuff like individually with the audition panel but I remember doing the scene stuff first and it was Audrey's first entrance onto stage so she's running back into the flower shop because she's late and she's just kind of like ditzying along (laughs) and I remember just being like watching other people do it and they kind of just walked in said the lines and did and walked back out again and I went right okay that's not what that's not who she is she'd be running around and apologizing and arms flapping everywhere because she's feels horrendous that she's late but Mm -hmm. also doesn't know how to deal with it um so I remember like running in in these little on my on my tiptoes pretending to go and hang a jacket up because that's what she does in the in the script and turning around and just being like hi and like be and just being there and it was so much so much fun and then I got to um we did I think suddenly Seymour and part of somewhere that's green with the audition songs 
and the guy that I did um suddenly Seymour with actually ended up being the plant which was quite funny <laughs> um uh but we just kind of went we kiss him he went yeah go on so when we finished the end of the song we just kissed which is funny enough because when I then did um sound of music a couple of years later with the same company I think it was three years later I was Maria and he was Von Trapp <laughs> so we so we'd yeah, had some history had there already which was quite yeah. fun yeah yeah like we'd, we'd practiced it's definitely some multiverse stuff going on there, you know, like in each, each It is multiverse. a bit weird, yeah. <laughs> drawn together in each musical. That's, I mean, they're yeah. very bold, though, going yeah, for the audition and saying, we're going to do the kiss, because that is a yeah. big part of that scene, and you do want to get the chemistry and that, that kind of... Yeah, you want to just go for it. Yeah, but if it's someone you don't know that well... I mean, I, I didn't know him at the time at all, but obviously the next time round, three years later, it was like, we kissing again. He went, yeah, come here. <laughs> <laughs> which was which was quite funny. But in, when we were actually doing a little shop, I remember we'd rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed for months and it got to opening night and me and Rob, who was playing Seymour, still hadn't kissed at the end of Suddenly Seymour. And the director was quite young and I think it was her first time she was directing anything. And I just don't think she'd kind of, she just hadn't asked us to do it. And so literally in the interval, so after act one and suddenly Seymour's like kind of beginning of act two, mm-hmm. um, I go into the boys dressing room and go, look, we've spoken about this like twice, Rob. Are we kissing at the end of this song? And he looked around to the other boys in the room, one that was playing the dentist and one that was playing Mushnik and went, do you think we should? And went, we probably should. So we did. Um, and the, my favourite thing about it was that Rob's wife was also in the cast as one of the Ronettes. And which who were obviously stood behind us doing the backing for this. And we hadn't gotten round to telling her that that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to the end of Suddenly Seymour and kiss. And because it's the first time we've not practiced, and I've got this bright red lipstick on, it kind of smudges on his face, smudges on my face. And the girls just put their hands over Becky's eyes, who was his wife, like on stage and just like make it part of of the of the show. Um, I later found out a few months later that she was actually pregnant with their first child <laughs> and they'd found story. out like that day <laughs> oh they found out at that the time day. oh my god yeah yeah <laughs> you'd have to oh, it was like around that time yeah <laughs> you'd have to name that child like Seymour or Audrey like I would name any child you know like that feels so weird see I- it was it was very funny but luckily we're uh, good friends with them and now I don't haven't seen them in a long time but if I do see them we're just like hi guys and it's <laughs> it's just really lovely but yeah it was it was a funny opening night <laughs> it's what you want though from the camaraderie it's it's always so nice when that happens I we say Greece just before the pandemic and you obviously have that moment with Sandy and Danny and yeah. we had never rehearsed a kiss before because obviously I'm, I'm working with teenagers like that's a very personal yeah, thing yeah. I had no idea what they were going to do. I just said to them, I trust you on the night. You, decide. You yeah. decide what you're going to do. If you, I said, yes, the show builds up to this kiss, but if you don't feel comfortable doing that, just give a big hug. Like there's a big, big reunion between the pair of you. We're good to go. Yeah, definitely. I'm watching, taking notes and they, they go for it. I'm just thinking, wow. Okay. I, I was I was that you know just shocked but I'm thinking it's better I'm glad that you made that decision to do that because it just added to it mm-hmm. yeah definitely I mean I've I've 
been in shows enough now that you kind of if there's a kiss in the script it doesn't bother me in the slightest because yeah. you kind of go by that's just another one on the list of people i've kissed i think i'm up to about seven in different shows now <laughs> and three of them were in one show so you kind of go okay cool we're we're, we're there now <laughs> it is it's just one of those things you have to accept that on stage it's part it's a story it's, it's we're acting yeah definitely <laughs> and you know i've listened to you uh, and Liam talking on BFE, especially during your Monty Python episode, just talking about all the stuff you made up on the night, you know, yeah. how it all <laughs> part of it. Like that is the beauty of live performance. It is. It's why I adore it so much. And I mean, if you took it too personally, I don't think anyone would ever do, especially amateur dramatics, because like just going back to when I was in Sound of Music, um, Phil played uh, Captain Von Trapp. His wife played Elsa so the one that he leaves for maria um and his two children were two of the children in the in the von trapp cast so and i got got married to their dad on stage and they think it's absolutely hilarious so so yeah it, 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 it happens yeah 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 so you've got a great memory and attachment to the show but then the film yeah. you're not a fan of oh ellen green ellen green no Thoughts on the film as a whole, though, if we can ignore Audrey, what what do you make of the film? The film as a whole is brilliant, apart from Audrey, until the end. <laughs> right, because they the change question. the ending. That was going to be a later question, yeah. Like what? Oh, yeah. Watch the the non stage ending, the right. like stupid movie ending. I hate the stupid movie ending. <laughs> the stupid movie ending is where the plants take over. No, but we no get other way around. This that's the theater ending. So when they made the the movie, they made the ending where the plants take over the world, and that was supposed to be the ending. Yes. and then they sent it to test audiences, and test audiences thought that was too depressing, and that Seymour should win and get to live happily ever after because they clearly completely misunderstood the point, and <laughs> so they made a new ending where Seymour electrocutes the plant. Yeah. Yeah, he manages dies. to save Audrey first. Yeah. He so like, she lives you know, as well. Yeah, it's the same movie up until the point where he feeds her to the plant. Right. I've not seen that. No, I know, because I refuse to watch it. So I've only ever seen the movie version where the plants go out and you've got all the, the they plants. They fortune and fame. Yeah, and they're like... Yeah, yeah, yeah the good country. ending. Yeah. Okay, so I thought that that's why I was getting confused. I know there's controversy with the two endings. I mm. thought that was the film <laughs> ending, and then the movie. No, that's was... the original ending. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, because the issue is, uh, in theatre, we know that they're actors. They're in front of us, and at the end of the movie, uh, at the end of the show, they come out and they bow, and we yeah. know that they're fine. But in a film, it's final. Mm. They're dead, because you don't get the applause at the end. And for some reason, people cannot distinguish between the two <laughs> they wanted Seymour to live happily ever after with Audrey and so they had him electrocute the plant to death which is dumb it yeah. is it so dumb mad. <laughs> it's so dumb it is one of those things like I think filmmaking nowadays audience would be more prepared for that bleak ending like you get it with two towers you get it with like you get in, in in like the the middle films in trilogies like we end on a downer note and look at infinity war <laughs> you know people are yeah. more ready to accept an ending where things fail and 
I guess Infinity War was so special because no one expected it. We're so used mm. to the heroes win. It's good that it hasn't become the norm. But yeah, it, it does affect storytelling. You know, if the story builds this brilliant moment, that's what we should go with. We can't accept life will always end up happy. Mm. Do you know? Because the original ending is just so well written as well. Because Audrey dies thinking that she's going to save Seymour. She literally goes somewhere that's green and for the (laughs) for the good of Seymour. Because she's like, no, because it will make you rich and famous, and you'll have a good life. And then Seymour dies as well. And then the plant just takes over by basically retelling the entire story again and again and again and again until there is nothing but dead people and plants yeah Yeah. it's all over the world buying tiny little audrey twos yeah and it's it's just so perfectly done as this like fable of this is what happens with greed yeah and then to just because seymour isn't the best character audrey's great audrey is sweet and naive and all these things she deserves the world seymour kills two people because he's like kind of want to be with this girl could have just had a discussion with her and been like hey if i'm poor will you still love still love me and she'd have been like yeah so it would have been fine but no he kills two people anyway yeah um so but like and then he ends up getting happily ever after in the film version and you just go no that's he doesn't deserve not the Mm. point it's Not one of the, the things about the film that really annoys me. My my least favourite part of the film. And it's a shame. It's also the bit with Bill Murray in the film. So, <laughs> I know this annoys you, but that's from the original show. Yeah. It's not in it anymore. Good. It, it's called the, um, the pseudo-masochistic dental patient. <laughs> it's like a thing. It's yeah. just a very <laughs> jarring bit in the middle. Ethan played him in our show. Really? Oh, that's cool. Ethan from our yeah, he was the he was the dental patient who just kind of laid there and screamed for a bit. It was great. But I could see I I can just visualize Ethan doing that, like based off listening it, to a it podcast. It was brilliant. Bill <laughs> Murray just feels so. It's like a glorified cameo because of how big yeah. Bill Murray is, and it it doesn't feel like it's part of the film world. <laughs> if that scene was there. With a non-known actor. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I could accept it, but Bill Murray just feels too big. It feels so just shoehorned in. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) He's trying to tell you we should have been talking about Pippin. And guys, uh, if you're recording on a musical, it should be about my namesake. I'm just going to open my door because he's going to keep barking until I do. Hello. 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 <laughs> Sorry, I'm back. He's just staring at me from my doorway now. Oh, don't worry about it. Like, it, it's worth it. You know, you get canine. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, first of all, the character of the masochistic dental patient is a character that's left over from the horror movie. Cool. And then showed up in the original stage show and then disappeared and then came back in this one was originally played by jack nicholson in the b movie 
Um, <laughs> which is super weird. So Bill but... Murray has the right energy for it then. Yeah, but I've just found out who they wanted originally to cast as Audrey. And I didn't know this. I don't know whether you'll have known this, but... I'm not Cindy sure. Cindy Oh, God. Right? And apparently Barbara Streisand was also rumoured to have been offered the part. But Cindy Lauper was the initial person they wanted and she turned it down. <laughs> I don't know if I can pick that. No, she's too feisty. Yeah. No. Like Audrey's kind of feisty, but in, in a different way. She's like... Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. It's not that. Yeah. It, yeah. How old would Barbara Streisand have been? I have no concept of time. How funny? When was Funny Girl released? <laughs> because like, she, if it was her fresh off Funny Girl doing Audrey, I could see that. Mm. Like I could 100% see her being a great Audrey. The thing is, Ellen Green was already in the show yeah off broadway yeah she was on so the, yeah like, let's just have her be in the film which... originator of the Good. role though yeah see yes her voice annoys me but it is so part of the charm of audrey that when i've listened to broadway or cast recordings of somewhere that's green it doesn't sound right to me mm-hmm. because like that's what i associate with it I'm like credit to any performer who does that role and and makes it their own without doing the voice. Yeah. Well, so this is the thing. My version of the audition story is in the same way that you were sat watching people just walk in, read their lines and walk off. I was sat watching Mm -hmm. people not do the voice. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, oh, I'm I'm just going to do the voice. And as well, I was it was while I was working in America. So they were all Americans doing it. And I'm just sitting here with my little British accent. And yeah. so I went up and did the really squeaky voice and the accent and just went for it. And I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> the I got that part. But so I had to do the voice because I was like, this is the definitive Little Shop of Horrors is the Ellen Green one. And I love her. So... <laughs> <laughs> my best Ellen Green impression and completely ruined my voice. Yeah, you would. Like, every doing that every night, that's going to mm. ruin your voice. But that's why people don't mimic it. It's yeah. because it is just Ellen Green's voice. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mimic it. And I, because I, one, I didn't like it, but two, I don't think I could. Yeah. So I used, like I said, the, um, the new Broadway cast recording was the one that I went off of. Um, yeah. I didn't directly mimic that, but, um, but kind of close to it. It's like, you try to, I was listening to the soundtrack again today on my um, way to and from work, just to try and Mm -hmm. find, just to like remind myself of and listen to it again. And I was trying to find the voice again. And I was like, she's not there. I can't find her. After singing through um, somewhere that's green, I was like, ah, there it is. But like, I couldn't quite get it to begin with. It's like, I've lost it. She's gone. (laughs) It is. It's just like finding an old friend, isn't it? It's like you've got to take that time. Yeah, yeah. You're not spoken to for a while, but you get there in the end. Definitely. So there's a lot of differences between the film and the stage show, but what's your favourite thing that's in the stage show that's not in the movie for Danny, who has not I mean, seen the stage show? Other than the ending, because that is the better one, but you've seen the film version of it. So... Yeah. Um, I really like, I can't remember if the full song of Skid Row is in the 
in the film. I don't know if it is or not. It's shortened by like a couple of verses, I think. Okay, yeah, because that that is brilliant. The full version of that song is just written so beautifully. I just it's it's brilliant. I really love it. <laughs> yeah, Skid Row is a good opener. Like I think it sets the tone really, really well. Yeah. The tone and the characters, it introduces you to both Seymour and Audrey and the, the basic like town that they're in and it does it so well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we also lose a bunch of songs. So we lose Close for Renovation, Mushnik and Oh, of Brand. course, yeah. Uh, now It's Just the Gas and then Don't Feed the Plants just isn't in the film. If you That's which, which is insane because Don't Feed the Plants is incredible. Close for Renovation was so much fun because you get like little three-part harmonies and it's just yeah. so much fun to do and is um call back in the morning in the film no what well, is that they don't sing it oh uh, yeah that oh yes i remember it now because obviously i've not watched the film because i don't like it but i remember watching it and going what's this then they're not singing like it's <laughs> it's really difficult to do it right but once you get it right we had four phones on this bench that we had um and i remember when we were first rehearsing it it was with plastic cups on bits of string attached to like two like stools because we didn't have the proper stuff and then we didn't get the actual phones until literally like i think a day or two before we opened so it was me and rob just absolutely swapping these phones around and trying to get it right and yeah i think we had four that we just picked up and put back down and reached over and put them on the wrong headset and all of these different things. And it was such a good song. It's complicated, but so very good. But when you get it, it's those complicated ones that really pay off on stage. Once you get it right, it becomes something the audience will remember. Oh, definitely, because it opens Act 2 as well, so it's really quite important to get it right. Yeah. Yeah, you need that. You need to get that energy back in with Act 2. Mm-hmm. And you need to think about where you ended and how you're starting setting the tone. So we, we watched Frozen, we were so lucky to see it. And you end with Let It Go for act one and then yeah. act two, you have a completely different song that isn't anywhere near as like hitting the heights as of Let It Go, but it plays its part brilliantly because it just hits that comedic, energetic opening number. Mm-hmm. To have two yeah. Let It Goes in a row just doesn't work. Yeah, well, it doesn't, it's like, Wicked does it with Defying Gravity at the end of Act 1 and then comes back in. Hamilton does it yep. with the brilliant um, closer that brings in so many of the different songs together and then you get What Did I Miss, which is hilarious. Yeah. And then even something like Spies of Forever that the Tin Can Brothers did ends on Torture Tango, mm-hmm. which is incredible and opens with um, a song about the prince done by Joey who is just in this stupid character and it's complete. it's a complete tonal shift, but it works. And if it's things like that that make me go, yeah, that is how you play these parts. If you don't get that right, yeah. it can be really quite jarring. Yeah, absolutely. So there's talk of a new Little Shop of Horrors film. How familiar are you <laughs> with that talk? Uh, not particularly. I haven't really looked at any of it. I won't lie. I so don't. I, I haven't was... wanted to. <laughs> so if I was to tell you that the rumored Seymour and Audrey were Chris mm. Evans and Scarlett Johansson. No. Yeah. <laughs> However, no way. Captain That's America stupid. and Black Widow. That's no. changed. Good. Okay. So it's now Chris Evans is in talk to play the dentist. 
much better. Yep. And much, much better. Yep. Perfect in Scott Pilgrim in that kind of character. It was him in Knives Out as well, wasn't it? In what one, sorry? Knives Out, yeah. In Knives Out, Mm -hmm. yeah. He was really good in that. Um, Billy Porter to voice Audrey too. Cool. Okay. Kind of get on board with. And then Taron Egerton (laughs) to play Seymour, which again... I'm, I'm more okay with that. But again... He's too like buff to play Seymour. This is wrong. Where's my little skin? I dude? don't know. I think I think he does enough that he can look different. Like he's a I was gonna say he looks completely different in a lot of different like in Rocket Man or yeah. Eddie the Eagle yeah. or whatever. He completely changes what he looks like. So oh. I I can I can get behind him. Yeah. He's a good character actor, isn't he? He he's, he's could, very good. Eddie would get behind that. However, it's still Scarlett Johansson to play Audrey. I mean, can they cast me instead? Or or you, Drew? Like, just, just anyone other. Anyone else. <laughs> this is where we start the campaign for either one of you two to audition for Audrey, and we'll start, like, the I, hashtag. I think, I think we should, because, come on. Like, that being said, oh. who is going to be promoting this movie? Who is... Is this a Disney movie? Well, with no. those, those lot in, it sounds like it's a Disney property, but, but whether it's just... If it's a Disney property, Scarlett Johansson is going nowhere near it. That's so. true, yeah. As of May 2021, the remake has been postponed indefinitely. <sighs> I mean, I'm not sad about that. <laughs> no, some things just shouldn't be touched. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like Rocky Horror. We, as Oh, God, don't touch that. Yeah, yeah. Like, as much as I'd love to see Jack Black playing... <laughs> that yeah. one casting is not enough to justify the whole show mm-hmm. existing because no. um, if you were going to do that you'd need to just take one of the like touring casts and put them in the roles yes because they're amazing a filmed version of the stage show so there's no need yeah. to do that yeah no that was on my shortlist as well i do adore uh rocky horror show yeah it's so much fun the rocky horror like it's part of a it's just a real experience. I, I oh, it really like, is. Like toilet roll, rice, everything, newspapers, torches. I fully get into it if I go to the Rocky Horror Show. Dressing up is brilliant. God, we should do that. If Prince Charles drew a Rocky Horror Night, we should get air, all the all the podcasters, all the podcasters <laughs> and we will just dress as a character each and go do Definitely. I would absolutely okay. love that. If the next time it's like, if it's touring or anything, or if it goes to London, we should just all arrange to go. It's going to Together. it is going to Wimbledon Theatre. The Rocky Horror we, is on tour. <laughs> I will send you the details. Send <laughs> me the details and I will talk to the BFE crew and be like, look, guys, yeah, we need to go. <laughs> <laughs> we're going. Right? I mean, the Rocky Horror is uh, as an experience. This is the thing is I've experienced Rocky Horror live. I loved it. I want to experience Little Shop of Horrors live. Like, obviously, my mum's show was great. She had a really, really talented kid playing the dentist. Uh, it's a big part of why I wanted to get into teaching is because I saw my mum direct this and was like, I want to do this. But Little Shop of yes. Horrors is just so incredible. Mm-hmm. And I just, especially with such a small cast as well. Oh, it's it can be tiny. Yeah, I mean, because obviously we were like, I did it with a Amdram group. And so they try and get as many people involved as possible. But like, so they just do little bits in the chorus and those sorts of things. But if you stick to the basic cast it's what eight nine people it's yeah. tiny yeah it's nine if you include the puppet 
uh, the person yeah. from hearing Audrey too, who doesn't is, always have to be insane. their voice. <laughs> no, I mean, we had, I think, three different people with the different puppets. Because mm. um, I think our big puppet took three people to puppeteer. So then each of the other two did the little handheld ones as well. Yeah. Um, we had five Ronettes rather than three. Mm-hmm. Um, because they just wanted to make sure that those harmonies stayed intact so if you've got more people it's easier to kind of keep them balancing out I remember actually on the audition process I remember them doing the auditions for the Ronettes the three girls what five as we ended up with and um the director came out and said right have I missed anyone for this and I kind of just pulled to the side and went um I haven't auditioned for any of the Ronettes and she went yeah I don't want you to and I kind of went okay because okay. I didn't know whether this was a good thing or a bad thing like it might have been yeah you were so bad as Audrey we don't even want you in the show at all or it was yeah we want you as Audrey so we don't need to bother seeing you as Ronette luckily it was that one but I didn't know at the time and I remember her calling me um like the couple of days after the auditions and being like look we're just going around calling people talking to them about what we think their views are on this and so I kind of was really quite just nonchalant about it and didn't really say anything and then I got hung up the phone and remember thinking I should have been more yes I want this please give it to me I actually spoke to Ian at the time and went I've just been called what do I do and he went call her back and tell her that you really want the part so I did (laughs) (laughs) um and then later found out that I had the part which was brilliant so um but yeah I I, it could have gone a different way I might not have had it I don't know (laughs) So that, I guess, leads us quite nicely. So what we usually do when we go to end our episodes is we talk about best songs, skip songs, and what role would we play? Now, you've obviously played Audrey. Is that a role you Mm -hmm. would play again? Or are there any other roles you would like to experiment with in this show? Regardless of gender, too, because I always end up picking a male character that I would be like, (laughs) I would choose that character. Yeah, I would definitely do it again as Audrey if I was allowed to. Um, But would absolutely love the opportunity to do a female Seymour mm-hmm. because I think and actually keep have have her as female um, because right. I think it just adds so much to that dynamic of why she would be so like dismissive and scared and then really quite worried about talking to Audrey if you keep Audrey female as well I think it oh, adds wow. this extra kind of dynamic and I would love to do that or if not just play a gender bent version of Seymour because his songs are incredible like yeah. now the bit in there is almost a rap at points so that he nice. does i love that it's song. so 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 good um so yeah i definitely want to play seymour nice i, I like that idea i could I, I fully get on board with that idea going to see little shop of horrors and having because there are there aren't enough female roles in this show like it's one of its only real flaws is you've got like yeah three really strong male roles in like mushnik the dentist and seymour yeah yeah definitely audrey too is a very masculine coded character as well yeah generally it's cast as a guy not so much recently but yeah but i I would quite like that having like a female-led and like you say the awkwardness of like this unspoken romance between the pair of them like especially if you still set it in 50s 60s it has that proper like Mm -hmm. um Oh, I can't think of the right word, but like it would have a air around it that is it's forbidden. Yeah, and that's yet, true. yeah, it would be it would be really really interesting. I think. Yes, make it gay, make it gay, <laughs> make it gay. I mean, I'm all up for that. I, to be honest, should we just 
we'll go and see Rocky Horror and then we will cast ourselves. I'll be Seymour. Drew can be yeah, Woodrow again. We'll just do our own version of Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, we'll just right. have we'll have we'll have Ian as the plant because he I know he wants to do that. Um and just just go from there. Actually, do you know what? We probably could. <laughs> we if we just people. license the rights, we have enough between <laughs> us. Because I want to be the dentist. Yeah. There we go. Like I, the dentist is awful and I do not condone anything. Like I'm not, it's not like, you know how you get people who look up to Rick from Rick and Morty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like well-written characters that even if they are such a good character. Yeah. And he's like properly crazy as well. Yeah. He's a proper, yeah. Like. And there is nothing redeeming about this character. But to be able to like play this character completely unhinged would be so much fun. Especially because he is fun. Mm. I will say definitely. Yeah. Uh, did you do the? Oh, I can't remember what song it's. During. Is it the gas song? No, it's not the gas song. I honestly, I feel like I should know all the names of these songs by now. <laughs> so I've currently got the like song list open on my phone, just so, so I'm ready for the next couple of questions. <laughs> <laughs> It's not supper time. It's the one before. Feed me. Why do I not remember that? I should know what that song's called. During feed me, there's the little interlude where it cuts to Audrey and yeah, Dr. yeah, Arrow, and he's being horrible to her. But Seymour can like see it out the window or something. Did you do yeah. that? Part? We did. Yeah. So I came on on stage. We I didn't have a sweater. It was uh, don't mind me. Sorry, I forgot my I forgot my jacket. And then get slapped. And like. Orin, that hurt. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we did we did that bit, and then it just the music ramps straight back up, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna kill him." It's oh, brilliant. Yeah. Well, the the my favorite thing that happened. This is gonna sound terrible. My favorite thing that happened when I did that was that the guy who was playing the dentist was a really lovely guy. <laughs> like he did not mean to hit me. We just we were late getting onto the stage. So we had to run on, speed our lines, and then he had to fake slap me, and I was <laughs> in the way, and he full on slapped me in the face, and the entire <laughs> audience went <gasps> like at the same time. It was great. Your entire audience of camp kids. Yeah, my entire audience of children and teenagers. <laughs> like, Love oh that. God. See, it's great. I I I do like the character of Mushnik, but obviously, it's important that roles are played by the correct people mm. and obviously i am not jewish and you know that because there's so much about mushnik that is very jewish coded it would be oh, he just is jewish yeah, yeah like and and so many of his mannerisms you watch in the film well you don't know <laughs> because there's songs that you don't know there's a song called mushnik and son yes no i know that one that song is uh, based on traditional Jewish music, right. so yeah, so I'd love to play that character, but I guess it's not appropriate. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so dentist for me, I would have a great time being. <laughs> so, what song when you when you said you were driving home listening to it? What yeah. song are you most likely to skip? Because it's not that we say there are any bad songs. It's always if you're driving in the car and the soundtrack is playing. Which song are you mm -hmm. not going to sit in the car and listen to? Um, let me have a quick look. Probably um, the Skid, Skid Row Radio, just because it's mostly dialogue. Yeah. Um, and it's Mushnik singing and the girls, and it's not not as interesting. I think it's technically called WSKID. Yeah. Um, but it just doesn't 
doesn't appeal as much but on the this version that i've got as well there's a few extra songs so we get the um final song on here and then i've got a little dental music which is another song that the dentist is supposed to have which is brilliant uh the worse he treats me which is another audrey song which is heartbreaking if you Mm -hmm. listen to that um and (laughs) we'll have tomorrow and i found a hobby and then bad from the film so if i had to skip any of those it would be bad from the film because i'm just like nah (laughs) i'm not i'm not not bothered by it yeah and that's good because it's the last song on the album so it's just like cool we're finished it doesn't exist done now don't need to don't need to do that (laughs) um what's your one i really like somewhere that's green but i force you to listen yeah so (laughs) the other day we were doing a drive down to see my family and we were stuck in roadworks and i made the (laughs) we were listening to somewhere we were listening to somewhere that's green and I just happened to notice in the final bit of the song, the somewhere that's green, we noticed that of all the red traffic cones, one of them was green. And I just turned to green. <laughs> <laughs> that I just, is green. Yeah. But I'm also... <laughs> so you ruined it. But I'm also going to say, because of Family Guy, oh, I yeah. can't take this song as seriously. It just makes me think of the Chris and Herbert sequence. I can't say I've seen that, so I'm probably going to avoid it for fear of ruining the song. It's a beautiful (laughs) song, and I think it works really well. And it is, like, iconic. It is, you know, a song that has been uh, duplicated so many times Mm -hmm. for a reason. But for me, I think sometimes it's just too slow when we're driving as well. Yeah. It's not driving music. What about you, Drew? What would you skip? See, I could listen to this whole soundtrack over and over again. But I think <laughs> not okay, so somewhere that's green reprise where she's where she dies. dying. <laughs> it's really nice. But also quite short, and I'd probably rather listen to the full song. Yeah. If you if they were playing back to back, you'd rather have a full one than yeah. the short one. That's fair. This oh. is probably the more difficult question than the skip it <laughs> the best one because there's so many good songs on this soundtrack mm-hmm. and in this show mm-hmm. uh, for me i'm always gonna say dentist oh it's so good yeah. <laughs> and i just love everything about it, like especially the steve martin performance everything about that song is great it is a fantastic villain song it says everything you need to know about this character. It is fun to sing along to. You want to kind of strut and do the voice. And it, <laughs> it is so much fun. There, in, a, in a soundtrack of great songs, for me, Dentist is always up there. Like if I could only listen to one forevermore, I'd be happy with Dentist. <laughs> that, I mean, one forevermore, that's, that is so tricky. But I... I think I'd go with Skid Row yeah. downtown just because well, it's quite long as well. So like I'd get, get some decent listening time out of it, but <laughs> it's just such a lovely introduction to the entire show and to the two main characters, yeah. but also it's a great sing. It like really that is, is one that you can like absolutely belt out in the car, like the end bits, cause it gets quicker and quicker and quicker. And then it's got a lovely harmony on the end. Yeah. That's, that would be, that would be my go to, I think. Yeah, I do nice. like that. What, what What about you? Grow for me. I love that song. <laughs> yeah. I think I completely agree with you that playing Seymour would just be fun. Like, it would be cool to have a female Seymour. 
but also mm. I just like all of his songs are great. That's all so good, yeah, and really singable. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, was man. listening though on the in the car though and realized that I do still know all of the lyrics to all of the songs, including all the really quick bits in like now and um all the other songs. I went, Oh, they're still in my brain. <laughs> they're still there. Forever. <laughs> They've not left yet. <laughs> but they will never leave you. I think that's the thing, is once you've been in a show, mm-hmm. there's something different about it, is you will always be able to remember it. Even if it just comes out of your head randomly. Yeah. And I think it's the yeah. same songs you love. Like I can not listen to the Black Parade for two years and put it on and I know everything. I'm word perfect. <laughs> there are some things that just have that because of the emotional attachment. Mm. And if oh, you are in a show, yeah. what more emotional attachment can you have? Oh definitely I mean, you become that person for however long you do it for. And I mean it's built up and you get it's almost like you get to know them through the rehearsal process and those sorts of things and then by the time you're actually doing the show it's oh they're they're here they're right with me and I knew these lines and knew these songs and knew this character so well by this point and I just remember standing on stage doing I think it was the um bit of dialogue before or after close for renovations and just the words were coming out of my mouth Audrey was coming out of my mouth but I was thinking about what I was having for tea later (laughs) because it was so it was so ingrained it was so muscle memory that I just I didn't even it was it was second nature I didn't even need to really be concentrating I was thinking about what I was gonna have a tea either if I was having McDonald's or whatever um and I had to kind of snap myself back into it because I went no pay attention in case someone else does something wrong (laughs) you need to be like in the room but yeah I was just not I was able to just kind of clock out and let for the lack of better words let Audrey take over it was great yeah it is it's just that muscle memory and you know you'll be you you will just you will be doing something random you'll think oh I want McDonald's and suddenly you'll start humming somewhere that's green because you just go back (laughs) so if you were going to convince somebody who hasn't seen Little Shop of Horrors to watch it how would you do Mm -hmm. that I would start with that I think it's a brilliant piece of dark comedy and satire that deserves more recognition because it is just so brilliantly written the story's fantastic the songs are fantastic the characters are well fleshed out there's relate they're relatable in lots of different ways um but they're also flawed they're not perfect none of them are perfect yeah which makes them real as stupid as it is for this b-movie style um almost like mickey take of what these stories used to be but it's done so well that it's become its own version of kind of its own genre really like it is this thing like it's almost like a guy who doesn't like musicals and black friday very much in the vein of little shop of horrors yeah Mm -hmm. that's exactly what Um, i thought when we came out of guy who didn't like musicals that this is star kid like star kid can only do that show because little shop of horrors exists absolutely it's very much the same sort of thing and it's 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 just brilliant I mean the guy that doesn't like who didn't like musicals is one of my favorites I think is absolutely hilarious Lauren at the end as Emma just screaming as they're doing the bows yeah because and because they don't break out of it that is I would love to play that part because it's so brilliantly written and that show is so good that it just it kind of draws like 
like Little Shop, it does the thing of it breaks the fourth wall a little bit, and you're not really entirely sure where it ends and where oh. the sh- where life ends and where the show begins. Agreed. I was so shocked at that ending when we watched it because I was just like, "What? This is yeah, yeah." Beauty of it is why Little Shop should have that ending because you need that like shock to your system. We get so lazy when we watch media nowadays because we always expect to go one way. And yeah. Get away, then something goes completely against what you're expecting. I definitely. I mean, at the end, because we did the final um, ultimate, and we came out. There were those of us that had been eaten in these little like flower heads and sat in front of the plant, and it was silly, but it was still, <laughs> it was no. still there. And then when we got up and did it, we I had this pink and green like fifty style dress on, and that had flowers on it, so it looked it was appropriate. But we did it, and then as we were doing the last bits, it says the plants take over where they take over like New York and all these different places. And this theater is one of the lyrics. And as that happened, um, we had runners on the ceiling that just sprung forward these like green vines all across the, um, all across the ceiling of the theater. Um, And so you kind of go, Oh, like it's not real, but it's, it's, it's there. Like it was, it was very, very cool. And that, that blurred line of theater and life, that's why like Pippin so much as well. Because that blurs that line as well. Yeah, that does the, oh, hang on, what are they actually talking about here? Because there's very much a show within a show within Pippin. And it's, hang on, is this, is the guy playing Pippin actually playing Pippin? Or is this a external group of almost this cult that brings someone in to play Pippin and then he ends up dying at the end of each show? It's just, oh, it's, I love Pippin as well. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I, I, yeah, I could talk for ages about all of these, that that kind of musical, the one where it blurs the lines and where it kind of goes, not sure what's happening here. Because that's what theatre and art should do, because it is yeah. live. It has this magical kind of quality that nothing else, nothing else like it does. Yeah. And that's, I think, why I like to Be More Chill as well, is because Be More Chill exists because Little Shop of Horror exists. Mm-hmm. It's just a modern age version of little shop of horrors so mm-hmm. yeah more of this kind of storytelling with musicals because there's a thank you i get <laughs> it it's light-hearted more often than not family entertainment i get that but why does it always have to be happy why do people think that yeah. singing and dancing just makes everything happy and better let's have some some downer musicals <laughs> you say that but like it's nearly halloween it is halloween it's september it's halloween but absolutely we're going to watch Carrie, the musical, at some Ooh. point. And that technically is a downer, but it's so fun. Like, let's watch everybody get killed. It's going to be great. Yeah, right. <laughs> Things I'm like so Carrie and Heather's and the Adams family, they're all like that sort of vein as well, aren't they? And yeah. I mean, Adams family I mentioned earlier is one of my favourites as well because it's, it is in keeping with the themes of the Adams family. Just because it's a musical doesn't mean they're happy all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just brilliant and that's part of the fun is you're watching a musical and it's like it's like with beetlejuice it goes against what you expect yeah beetlejuice as well yeah god there needs to be more musicals in the world more musicals (laughs) please and thank you (laughs) very much very much for coming on obviously you are one of the hosts of one of my favorite podcasts best film ever Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, if our listeners have skipped Ian's episode completely and started with our episode with you, 
because maybe mm-hmm. they're not fans of Chicago, they're fans of Little Shop of Horrors. Tell us about Best Film Ever and Talking the Mickey. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Best Film Ever is a podcast that reviews um, films that are either critically acclaimed or on a magical poster that we have um, that is basically a top 100 films you should see, bucket list type thing. Um, so they're usually all critically acclaimed and we watch them and we talk about them and we decide whether or not they deserve to be critically acclaimed, whether they are, in fact, the best film ever or whether they're just kind of hyped up pieces of nonsense. Um, and... It gets a bit heated sometimes. Some of us like films that others don't. Yeah, it um, does. But it's it's just a lot of fun. It's basically just four or occasionally five with guests, um, friends sat around a table discussing films like you would if you'd just watched it in the cinema because that's how it started. That's what we did. Yeah. Um, and we kind of went, we should probably record this. So we did. Um, and it's taken off from there. We've been very, very lucky with... Um, how it's panned out and the guests we've been able to have and all those different things but it's just basically us having fun yeah yeah because like you've just launched an episode with simon callow as well which is we have, amazing because yeah. we're fans of him in phantom you know so it it really is and like you say it's just like i'm listening to my friends talking about films and i'm just like yeah i love this it's it's so much fun yeah i'm glad it's it's nice to hear it as well because to us, I mean, until we do the things like the interview with Simon Callow or with Sean Passard, um, you kind of go, oh, it's just us chatting and it happens to be recorded and it goes up on the internet. I mean, Ian does a lot more because he does all the editing and stuff like that as well. But like to us, you kind of just sit down for a couple of hours on a Sunday and chill and then you realise actually, no, people enjoy this and listen to it. So it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It really is. And it's definitely one worth checking out. What film? So I know you're a big fan of The Princess Bride. Yes. What film do you think is the one you've least enjoyed watching? <laughs> like the most controversial one? I'd say least enjoyed watching would definitely be Train Spotting. Um, just, just don't get it. Just don't like it. Not my cup of tea. Um, probably most controversially, I despise The Dark Knight. Yes, you did. I hate Batman so much. The Joker's all right, like the, in it. Joker's great. He's a great character. But The Dark Knight as a film, I just put it in the bin. It's trash. I don't like it. Um, and I get, I get a bit of, get a bit of flack for that one. I'm hundred percent on board with you for that because the only thing you can talk about from that film is the Joker. The rest of yeah. that film, nobody remembers it. I like Harvey Dent. Who, I don't even remember him being. No, in it's not even. No, it's not. Ugh, no, it's just bad. It's just yep. not good. You just don't agree with Ian, <laughs> do you, Drew? Because he hate. Well, he didn't hate. He disliked House Moving Castle, and that's one of your favourites. Yeah, I was mad about that. That's true. Yeah, no, House Moving Castle is great. I really enjoy House so Moving great. Castle. And even for all of the like, I read the book after I saw that and was mm-hmm. very confused. <laughs> what is happening? But. Like all of the stuff about Sophie actually being a witch, I was like, yes, excellent. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I should probably enlighten them to to that fact. I think it made it made sense a little bit more, but then they were just angry that they didn't know that from the film. <laughs> it's so good though. I'll yeah. watch any Studio Ghibli film though, saying that. Yeah. And you also are putting out episodes under the Talking the Mickey banner as well. Yeah, so Talking the Mickey was launched just after Best Film Ever because we kind of went, we should probably watch some Disney films as well. 
um, because we're all pretty big Disney films fans, especially um, myself and Ethan. I mean, we went there for his 18th birthday to the Paris Park and had an amazing time. So, yeah, we were going through all the Disney classics. So any film that classes as the Disney classic list, um, I think they're up to 53 with the release of Raya and the Last Dragon. I think I could be wrong, but I think it's 53. It's around that mark. Um, I can't remember how many in we are. We're quite a few in, um, but we've taken a bit of a break from that just for a little bit whilst we all kind of get back into the real world. Um, that was very much a COVID lockdown project is because we were recording at some points two or three of those a week. Yeah, <laughs> we know because that. Because we had the time to. <laughs> yeah, so now the, the world is opening up a little bit. The time goes away. Yeah, <laughs> it, go it really does, yeah. Jobs, which is a shame because we love podcasting. It, is, it just is so much fun and I love talking about it. And one of my favourite episodes we've done is the Mary Poppins episode where Ian basically decided that Mary Poppins is gaslighting everyone, <laughs> which is a conversation you don't have unless you're recording like that. And it was it was so I silly, but lots we of had, fun. We had the same that when we did Mary Poppins Returns, I fully operate under the canon that she is a Time Lord. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, she must be. Or, <laughs> or some sort of witch from like the Hogwarts universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's one of the two. <laughs> or she's just drugging the kids. <laughs> or that one. Or she's got chloroform and some magic mushrooms and is yeah. just having at it. Sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so you can find uh, Best Film Ever and Talking the Mickey on all good podcasting platforms. Just like you can yep. find It's a Musical Podcast on all great podcasting platforms. And if you do want to get involved in the best film ever conversations, you can go over to at best film ever on Twitter and you can follow Georgia as well on at BFE underscore Georgia because you have a very active Twitter fan base, which is fantastic. I know I am a part of it. Mm. <laughs> it's lots of fun. We were very thankful for the poetry slam. That was a lot of fun. Oh, I, I had so much fun writing that poem. I thought it was Shakespeare, but you know. It was fun. And that's what matters. That's all it is. It's, it is just your friendship circle and it's expanding to involve more people. And I think that is the beauty of best film ever and being part of that, you know, wider audience. Definitely. It's, it's what makes it fun. And I think we wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't fun. I think some people seem to think that we're actually a group of strangers that come across as, uh, <laughs> as friends. But no, we have just known each other for upwards of like five six seven eight nine ten years now so yeah it's it's just good fun it really is. as has being on here with you guys so thank you very very much no thank you so much for coming on it's been great having you and hopefully we will be meeting up soon for a trip to the theater to see rocky horror picture yes, show indeed. definitely i cannot wait <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of It's Your Favourite Musical Podcast. We have loved chatting. Little Shop of Horrors. We will see you next week. Same bat place, same bat channel for more Musical Monday Madness. <laughs>